How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Eucalypt Speed Test Intelligence Data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. Hub Arkish. Hub Arkush. Hub Arkish is an idiot. Blah, blah, blah. Made a huge living talking football. He's constantly wrong. Anyone can do postgame. Well, thanks. You know, Hub, I think you hit a great point there. Hub Arkish. Good for you. And, you know, I'm sure that's something you're proud of. Hub Arkish doesn't get any better than this. Hello. Hub Arkish, 670 to score senior football expert. Well, good evening, Chicago. It is great to be with you again tonight. We've got the next two hours to spend some more time talking Chicago Bears football, NFL football, divisional playoff weekend. Four great games on slate. Every one of them has something to something to offer and something to get excited about. Obviously, the Chicago Bears still very much in search of both a general manager and a head coach. Interviews continue. Reports that Matt Eberflus, the uh, defensive coordinator of the Indianapolis Colts, is the first coach to be scheduled or to have at least requested a second interview with. There are still a number of candidates the Bears have asked permission to speak to that have not had their first interviews. We understand they will be talking to uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneer defensive coordinator Todd Bowles this Saturday. On the GM front, they keep running running people in and out of the office. We have one report that Ed Dodds of the uh, Indianapolis Colts, who they had interviewed, has now withdrawn his name from consideration. And and I will admit I find that a little bit concerning, only because his boss, uh, Chris Ballard, that's who he is assistant to in Indianapolis, who worked for the Bears for a number of years and really developed his resume here, did the same thing seven years ago after interviewing and and decided to withdraw his name from consideration before Ryan Pace uh, was selected. So you do kind of wonder what's going on there, why, what kind of message does that send to some of the other candidates that someone who's interviewed has already withdrawn. Now, it could have absolutely nothing to do with the Chicago Bears. There are all kinds of reasons that Dodds could have done this, assuming that the report at NFL.com is accurate. Um, But it is really the only thing of substance we have out of this process is these first interviews all continue. We're going to be taking your phone calls tonight at 312-644-6767 with any and all questions you have about the Bears process right now, looking for a GM, looking for a head coach, the football team, what's next, free agency, the draft for the Bears. Want to talk about 
divisional playoff weekend. Again, as I said, four great games this weekend. Love to talk with you about those as well. Again, 312-644-6767. The score listener line is powered by BetQL. Bet smarter and beat the books. Download the BetQL app today or visit BetQL.com and you will be joining us on our listener line if you give us a call. You can also text me at the same number, 312-644-6767. We'll get you into the text zone as well. The Tech Zone is brought to you by Rosen Hyundai of Algonquin. Save time. Shop online at RosenHyundai.com. So please dial me up. Looking forward to visiting with you guys. As you know, if you've ever listened to my shows, the, the best thing about it, the thing that I enjoy the most is a chance to talk to you, Bears fans, NFL fans, hear what's on your mind, answer what questions I can, hear your opinions. You can probably enlighten and educate me as well. And we will talk about all things NFL, all things Chicago Bears. Um, you don't feel like talking on the phone again. That's why we have the text line, so you can feel free to dial us up there, too. We do have a couple of great guests coming along tonight as well at 720. We're going to be joined, I should say by Potsy, Mark Potash, Chicago Bears beat reporter at the Chicago Sun-Times. Under new ownership again, we understand, as of breaking news late last night. We'll see if Mark has any thoughts or any comments on that. At 8 o'clock, Greg Gabriel, somebody who knows all about this process over 32 years as an NFL scout, uh, spent 10 years as the director of college scouting for the Chicago Bears right here in town. Greg's going to join us at 8 o'clock. I know he is quite familiar with a number of the candidates that the Bears have either already interviewed for the GM job or requested permission to speak with. So look forward to talking to Greg and getting his insights as far as that goes. So as we wait for our guests and for you to dial us up again, 312-644-6767, I think general impressions about what's going on so far. Um, First is, to be honest with you, I am a little surprised that here we are uh, basically 11 days out from the end of the season, and that first shoe hasn't dropped yet. Usually that first head coach hiring or GM hiring comes about this time, maybe a couple days ago, usually at the beginning of that second week. You thought maybe, especially this year, with the new head start built in, that two-week window, we've now learned, as I kind of suggested, I think throughout the second half of the season, it's really not that big a deal. Only two teams took advantage of it. That was the, uh, I should say, Las Vegas Raiders and the Jackson. Jaguars. Um, uh, the Jaguars, we know, did conduct some interviews during the two-week period. Don't know that the Raiders did as they were in a playoff chase, and Rich Bisaccia was uh, you know, doing his best as the interim head coach to try and secure the job. You also still had Mike Mayock, their GM, in place. Um, not only did the Raiders not do anything in the two-week period, but they waited until a few days after the end of the season to fire Mayock, uh, to fire their general manager, and so now they're looking to fill both positions very much like the Chicago Bears, and, and you could almost argue are a little bit behind the Bears, which shouldn't be all that surprising, because in Mark Davis, um, you have an NFL owner who never really trained for the job, uh, does not have extensive experience in the National Football League. Of course, his father, Al, owned the uh, one-time Oakland, one-time Los Angeles, now Las Vegas Raiders, and is in the Hall of Fame through that ownership as well as his contributions to the game. Uh, The former commissioner of the AFL prior to the merger between the AFL and the NFL that formed the modern era of the game and gave us the AFC and the NFC. Um, But with Mike Mack now fired, we're not really even sure 
who might be advising uh, Mark Davis out there in Las Vegas. So uh, the Bears probably not watching them. On the other hand, you've got the New York Giants allegedly already down to two finalists for their GM job, one of them Joe Schoen from Buffalo, somebody uh, that the Bears had wanted to interview as well. Um, and uh, I believe Poole is the other guy that they're looking at as their two finalists. So they probably are the closest to getting a GM in place. Um you know, as far as the Minnesota Vikings, they're kind of moving a parallel track with the Bears, interviewed a couple of the same candidates, but they're on about the same pace. So we will keep an eye on all of them as well. We do have some of you lighting up the lines now. And with Mark coming out at 720, I want to try and get to everybody before he does. So let's jump right to the phone lines and first uh, head out to uh, Pingree Grove and welcome John into the show. John, how you doing? Hey, Hub. Great to talk to you. I just got a quick question for you. Is there anybody on the Bears list for GM and coach that scares you? Scares me? Yes. Um, uh, Certainly Brian Flores scares me a lot. I don't really understand what the attraction there would be. Um, uh, He did make quite a mess in Miami. And, and yeah, he won some football games uh, with uh, middle-of-the-road talent, but was pretty much a middle-of-the-road team. They didn't beat any winning teams, but more than that, uh, really struggled to, to get along with most folks in the organization and, and uh, you know, had four offensive coordinators in three years, a kind of a goofy dual offensive coordinator set up this year, which I will say one of one of them was one of my favorites. Eric Studsville is a longtime NFL running backs coach who was here in Chicago uh, in the aughts uh, during the Lovey Smith years and is an excellent coach. But as, as a dual offensive coordinator, you, you know the old saying, you know, when you have more than one boss, you have none. And so I don't see what Flores has to offer. And what really troubles me is it seems everybody else agrees with me because the only ones who've requested interviews with him are the Bears and the Houston Texans. Now, the difference in Houston is that Nick Casario is is, is an old teammate of his. The, the, he and Casario grew up together in the New England you know, organization, the Patriot Way. And it would make sense that Casario would want to talk to him, but did not give any glowing endorsements after the interview. The other you know, six teams besides the Bears. Obviously, the Dolphins wouldn't be interested. The other five teams, I should say, don't even want to talk to the guy. And it's because of what happened in Miami. So so I would not be a real fan of that hire if that was where the Bears were to go. As far as the others, I'm more concerned, John, about a couple guys who aren't on the list. I really would like to see uh, Kevin O'Connell of the Rams or Mike McDaniel of the 49ers. They are the offensive coordinators uh, for Sean, uh, I'm sorry, for Sean McVay and, and Kyle Shanahan with the Rams and Niners respectively. And you see how some of their young coaches are doing. And, and these are more of these young guns, more of these young stars who may not be ready, but nobody thought Matt LaFleur was ready. And my guess he's going to be the coach of the year this year. So, so those would be the only comments. I think they have two good lists. Um, but the one guy who scares me a little bit is Flores and, and, and the two that aren't on the list that I wish were are uh, O'Connell and McDaniel. Uh, and then, you know, the one other thing I would add, when you look at the GM list, um, you, you've got a fair number of guys who are more evaluator than overall organization, administration, operations guys. And, and they're not even personnel directors. They're assistant personnel directors or they're college scouting directors. And I just don't know that that's enough experience to come in and be a GM. They're career guys. A guy like Morocco Brown, the college scouting director uh, with the Colts, a former Bear. You know, I like Morocco a lot, and I think that his time may have come. He may be ready. But that resume, you know, it doesn't quite match some of the other guys like the Omar Khans and the Rick Smiths of the world. So thanks for the call, John. Let's get out to Lamont and welcome Jim into the show. Jim, how you doing tonight? 
Hey, Hub, how you doing? Uh, Good, thanks. Quick question, quick comment. When are the McCaskies ever going to realize that they don't know how to pick talent? George McCaskey should have brought somebody in, like the guy that was on the show before you, Jimbo Covert, the guy you're going to have on later on. Why not get somebody that has the pulse of the NFL and can make better decisions than a McCaskey? Well, Jim, I, I don't think you're being very fair there. They, they've brought in one of the best in the business in Bill Polian. You know, and, and the fact that he never played for the Bears or worked for the Bears doesn't really mean anything. I mean, Bill Polian is far more uh, prepared, you know, far better prepared, uh, far more knowledgeable on this subject than, than Jim Covert or even Greg. You know, and Greg, I think, will tell you that himself when we talk to him at 8 o'clock. So um, I, I think we've got kind of a mixed question here where it's, you know, why don't they get help, which you're right, they need to, and they have in Polian, uh, but why isn't it the next bear? That's really a different issue. And I know there's a lot of folks who'd like to see some of the bears great involved, greats involved in the process, maybe coach for the team. I agree with that. You know, I, I'd like to see, you know, some of the alum get a chance to come back and help the organization. But as far as in this process, I think they've got the best guy available out there in Bill Polian, so I actually give him a little credit for that. Uh, let's go to DeKalb and see what Derek is thinking tonight. Derek, how you doing? Hi, Hub. Thank you for taking my call. Sure. Thanks for calling. Um, well, I, I had a question about a Bears-Lions game that you called, you know, many, many years ago, but it's something that's really bothered me. Um, there was a play in that game that occurred, and it was something where, you know, it was either a touchdown or a turnover, and it was one of those plays where, you know, you would have to read a promotional read on the radio. And you said, I'm so confident, that because it went to review, and you said, I'm so confident this will be ruled in the Bears' favor. I'm going to go ahead and read this. But then they went and ruled in the Lions' flavor, favor. Do you remember what that play was? <laughs> I'm sorry, Derek. I, I wish I did. Uh, you know, I, I'm sure I did that. I, I'm not disputing that at all. Um, but, you know, we're going back what, 17 years since I've even been in the Bears booth and, and probably years before that. And, and there was a lot of kind Yeah, it was a long time moments. ago. Yeah, well, yeah, I, I apologize. I'll tell you what I will do, though, is when we get off the air, I'll do a little homework. Uh, and if I can if I can find it or if I can recall it, I will certainly talk about it the next time I'm on the air. But I, but I do apologize for that. Uh, thank you for the call, though. That's I, okay, I that's okay. It. Yeah, um, that, that, Derek, thank you. We're going to get one more in from Kenilworth where Peter is on the line. Peter, how you doing? Yeah, hi, Hub. How are you doing? I'm good, thanks, Pete. Thanks for calling. I always appreciated your analysis, your uh, your knowledge, and your expertise, so thank you. Thank uh, you. I am actually in my car headed to Appleton, Wisconsin, the uh, the heart of Packer country, and um, been a, a season ticket holder, Bears season ticket holder for many, many years, and I would love nothing more than to see the, the Packers lose this weekend. I uh, was listening to Mully and Haw this morning, and they were uh, talking about all the uh, quarterbacks left in the playoffs now. And they had an interesting comment about Aaron Rodgers saying that um, he was under more pressure to win than any other quarterback because the Packers have won so many games and gotten so close but haven't uh, been in the Super Bowl for a long time. Just like to hear your thoughts on uh, on that, Aaron Rodgers, and on the um, uh, the Niners' chances of beating the Packers this weekend. 
Yeah, you know, Peter, I, I mean, it's certainly a reasonable comment, and what they're talking about is that this will be the fifth time under Rodgers that the Packers have been the first seed, and the last four times they haven't gotten to a Super Bowl. Um, you know, they've also had some serious problems with the 49ers in, in the playoffs, but those, you know, were different teams, different Packer teams and, and different 49er teams. I, I, I understand where they're coming from, and I'm not saying they're wrong, um, I would have a different opinion, though. I think the quarterback under the most pressure in these playoffs is the guy on the other side. It's Jimmy Garoppolo, because when you look at these eight teams playing this weekend, there's only one who we can't say with certainty isn't going to be the quarterback for his team next year if he wants to be, and that's Garoppolo. You know, they drafted Trey Lance uh, with the third overall pick. They didn't do that not to play him. Now, there won't be any tremendous urgency for him to start, you know, in 22 if Jimmy G is still the guy, if he can take him deep in these playoffs. Um, and they didn't draft Lance because Garoppolo, they didn't believe was the answer. It was because he hasn't been able to stay on the field, you know, and now that he's on the field and he's been playing well the last few weeks, um, I think this is, this is a career defining game for him. If, if Rogers loses, you know, he's still going to the hall of fame. He's still probably going to be the MVP this year. He's still one of the greatest of all time. Um, and, and he's going to be revered in Green Bay, you know, no matter what he does. I think if nothing else, we've learned that, you know, not only over the last few years, but recently. So um, I don't think there's tremendous pressure. There's pressure on all eight quarterbacks, but I, I don't see that there's really more on Aaron Rodgers than there is on Jimmy Garoppolo. I, I think there probably is even maybe a little more pressure on, uh, you know, Ryan Tannehill, who, who may not be the quarterback of the future in Tennessee if as the number one seed they get upset by the Cincinnati Bengals. Um, you know, there, there's, there's pressure on Matt Stafford, even though he got a win last week. You know, they're not going to settle for one playoff win. I mean, um, I get where they're coming from with Rodgers. He's got some things to prove at this stage of the season, but I don't think that, you know, he faces as much pressure as some of the other guys that I just mentioned. But again, it's just opinion. That's what's fun about this is that everybody's opinion uh, is valid. And in this case, you could make the argument for any one of them. So, Peter, thank you for the call, though. Really good question. We're going to take a quick break here because I don't want to keep Potsy waiting. Mark Potash, the Chicago Sun-Times, joins us after this quick commercial break right here on Chicago's very favorite all-sports radio station, 670 The Score. This is Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com. Chicago Sports Station. George, I'm referring to your to your record as as the chairman. How accountable? How are you accountable for the record that you have? Like you said, it's a bottom line business: wins and losses. You know, no playoff wins, two winning seasons. You know, that's not a great record. So how how are you accountable for it? And 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 like I said, does that is does that lend merit to the idea that that somebody else should be, you know, like a like like a Bill Polian type should be at the at the at the top? Yeah, my performance is reviewed by ownership and the board of directors and ownership has informed me that uh, it wishes me to continue in this role. Welcome back, everybody. Hub is here with you until nine o'clock and now joined by one of my favorite guys in our media room. Mark Potash covers the Chicago Bears. He's on the beat for the Chicago Sun-Times. And Potsy, as we lovingly refer to him, is uh, he, he's, he's the guy with the tiger by the tail in a lot of our press conferences. That was him visiting with George McCaskey at the season-ending presser last week. And, uh, you know, Mark, I, I, I guess the answer to your question was, uh, I report to myself and I've told myself that I wish me to continue. So <laughs> it was, I, I don't know what else we could really take from that one. 
Yeah, I think that pretty much answers the question of why the Bears are in, in the spot they're in is because they have leadership at the top that isn't going to change, and I get that they're not going to sell the team. But, you know, frankly, they the, the record shows that they're just not very good at football or at managing a football team or at owning a football team. I mean, it's, you know, owning a team in the NFL is like uh, making money owning a team in the NFL is like shooting fish in a barrel with the t- television contract. And, and so there's no real impetus or incentive or whatever, di- disincentive, I guess, to make changes when they're in the situation they're in. But the point is, it goes going back, uh, is that they're just not, they're just, they're just not uh, good at football or good at managing football, uh, a football team, and that's that's why the Bears are are where they are today. So, and and you know, obviously, Mark, you, you look at their record over the last uh, uh, however many years. If you want to go back to '85, I guess you can. You got 36 seasons there, and there have been a few outliers along the way. And in, in uh, what was it, '93 or '94, and then of course in 2001, 2005, and six. 2010 that's it uh, except you know until we got to the uh, Ryan Pace uh, Matt Nagy regime uh, you know a, a legitimate playoff team in 18 a kind of a stumbled and backwards playoff team in 2020 um, and yet as you say you know unless they're going to sell the team that's not likely to change and, and they, they appear uh, George was asked again, and he said that they have no interest in selling the football team. So the next best thing is, can somebody help them from upset from themselves? And that's why I've at least been encouraged by the presence of Bill Polian. Uh, uh, your thoughts on how they're handling this process as they now try and redo their leadership management uh, positions again? Well, I think having Bill Polian at least gives uh, kind of a semblance of a little bit of order and knowledge. Uh, it, and, and frankly, not to disparage Ernie Acorsi, but it's an upgrade. He's, you know, he's has a better record of success with different, more different teams uh, than Ernie did. So uh, you can, I think, you can already see in the in the kind of the the wide net they're casting for their for uh, you know for their coach and GM the the difference it's making. So I think they're and they're and they seem to be more playing the same game that everybody else does. I mean, they're playing all the hits with the, with the names they've got. Most of the hot coordinators, most of the hot names, most of the people you would think they're uh, that that you know that, that they're interviewing. So I think that is good. That I think you have a better chance. But I, I still think it's like it's throwing a. Uh, they just have a better chance of hitting a winner with the dart is 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 kind of what they're doing. So I I think that's improvement and. Uh, and and so uh, so I, I guess there's some hope that they could they could they could do better this time. But I still think it's going to be an issue because you don't have you have a, you're going to have a GM and a coach answering to somebody who admits they really don't know much about football. And and I think I think that's a problem. Ernie, of course, he is a dear friend, Mark, and he would tell you that Bill Polian's an upgrade, so you don't have to worry about that yeah. one. Um, I mean, you're talking about a Hall of Famer, a six-time executive of the year, a guy who built three different Super Bowl teams, or at least a, uh, did the Pan- you know, the Panthers team that he built was an expansion team that went to the NFC title game in its second year but didn't get to the Super Bowl until yeah. after he had left. Um, uh, but nonetheless, his credentials are impeccable. The, the question is how much – Input or authority, I guess, is a better way to put it. Is he going to have over the final decisions? Because unless George is willing to say to Bill, tell me who you like and go with that guy, you do kind of end up back in the same spot, to your point. And, and when, you know, I, I think the advantage of having Polly in there, though, is that the coaching names are easy to come up with. Everybody's talking about the same folks. You've got to be an NFL insider to know who the top GM candidates are. And it is a fairly good list that they've put together. And that just doesn't happen without Polly. So I think that should give Bears fans some level of comfort. 
But it's a good point to ask uh, just how much input uh, George McCaskey and Ted Phillips will have on the final decision, because if they don't just rubber stamp whatever Bill Polian wants, and even even Bill Polian, I mean, he could be wrong too. You know, he's 79 years old. He's been out of the game for a while. He, you know, the fact that he's going to guys he knows that can be good and that can also be bad. You know, so I mean, even that, even there's no certainty even with that. And I'm not trying to disparage that search because I think Polian is the best thing they have going for him. But. Uh, I, like I said, if uh, if if George is not rubber stamping whatever Bill Polian wants, um, then I, then I think that would be a mistake. Yeah, and, and again, in fairness to the process, there are guys here that Bill knows well. There's also guys that Polian doesn't know, and, and again, that's the advantage of having an insider to find out who those people are. I know one of my major concerns is I don't understand how we can be told that Ted Phillips is no longer going to be part of the football operation and then he's on the committee to select the general manager and the head coach. I'm curious for what your take on that is. Yeah, I mean, um, yeah, I'm as mystified about that as you are, Hub. And, and um, you know, I mean, you know, I thought I thought that was going to be one of the one of the facets of the of the post uh, postseason press conference was that Ted would be kind of out of the loop and clearly he's not not only that but but George reiterated his faith in in Ted and Ted reiterated almost his faith in Matt Nagy and and Ryan Pace saying he didn't regret that I mean uh, no offense to, to these guys I know they're I know them personally they are very nice people and but I mean that's not the kind of judgment or I want from people who are, you know, running my football team. Uh, and so I just, you know, I, I don't think he should. I don't think uh, Ted should be in the loop on that. He should handle the, the stadium or whatever and, 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 and play to his strength and, and, uh, and not get involved. But, uh, but that's, you know, again, we're going back to the same thing all, all over again, Hub. You know, this is the way they operate, and that's why I have very little faith in, in, in that they're going to get the right guy. And even if they get the right guy, that he might end up being the wrong guy because there's so much dysfunction uh, from the top at Hallis Hall that it kind of it kind of turns you into the worst version of yourself, which is what you saw with both Pace and Nagy. You know, other than the lists of people that they've either interviewed or requested interviews with, um, there's really not much that we can tell Bears fans about this because they're still in, in, in the beginning phase of it. I, I, I would be just horrified if they hired a coach before they hired a GM because that would make it absolutely clear that they're not bringing in somebody with complete control of the football operation. Um, and, and, you know, the GM hires, again, we don't know, I don't know, I'm assuming you don't know as much about these guys as we do uh, some of the coaches. And yet something did happen in the last uh, 36 hours that, that people are, are calling or texting and asking me about it. I'm curious for your take. Ed Dodds is a name on the list that I was intrigued by because he's the assistant GM to uh, Chris Ballard down in Indianapolis. And Chris Ballard was a finalist, uh, or I don't know if he's a finalist, but he was an interview that, uh, that people were greatly interested in when they hired Ryan Pace. And after interviewing, Chris removed his name from consideration. Now, I, I know now why that happened seven years later, was able to find out uh, what Ballard was thinking. It just was not the right situation for him. He ended up in a better one, and I think he has an executive of the year award already in Indianapolis. And yet Ed Dodds being his top assistant 
plus the job they've done turning that thing around and bringing in young talent really intrigued me. He came in and interviewed and then removed his name from consideration. Now, my understanding is he may also have been asked to interview with the Giants and removed his name there. There are multiple reasons that guys do this, but what concerns me here is that it's a repeat of what happened with Chris Ballard and could conceivably say something about the Bears' operation. Uh, I wonder what your take is on it. Yeah, uh, Ed Dodd's candidacy was kind of seen as a barometer of where the Bears are heading just because of that connection. I mean, because he worked for Chris Ballard, and Chris Ballard, as many people have reported, we have, um, you know, that uh, he wanted to change some things up or do some things that they're not used to doing at Hallis Hall, and, and that's one reason why they wouldn't take a kind of a favored son, which they normally would lean to. So with, uh, with his connections to Ed Dodd, it was seen like, because Ed Dodd's the guy who knows, he knows that he is only going to get one shot. And uh, as you know, Hub, NFL GMs generally only get one shot, and he's not going to take a job just to take it. It's got to be the right job. That's why he pulled himself out of the Panthers' uh, uh, can, uh, job last year, or, or his candidacy for that, and uh, and uh, did the same, I think, with the Browns two years ago. So because he's looking, so it was seen as like, well, that will be an indicator of where, if the, how open the Bears are going to be to somebody really doing it their way, and uh, and, and kind of making some changes. And so his. Um, you know, some people may think, well, he's just a habitual, uh, uh, you know, he just leaves, leaves these jobs uh, uh, repeatedly. But I, I, think, uh, the, I think the more astute observation is that that's seen as a sign that the Bears, uh, that, you know, he probably, like Chris Ballard, had some of his own ideas, um, and, and, and they're not going for it. I can't say for sure, but I'm just reading the tea leaves and what I've seen from history. That's the way it looks like. And like I've always said, I mean, the, you know, the Bears need somebody who tells them what they need to know and not, and not what they need to hear, what they want to hear. So he apparently wasn't ready to do that. So that's my take on it is that I, I just think it was just not a, not, it was just not a good sign for, for the direction the Bears want to go in. And, and everything about this, with the exception of Bill Polian, seems like it's kind of business as usual. The idea that they're now what they might bring in a second a, a coach, a coaching candidate for a second interview before they get a GM. I mean, Hub, sharp guys can ha- can do it this way. You know, if, if you're Robert Kraft, you know what I'm saying, or Terry Pagula, or somebody who really knows people and knows how to do this, you can get away with doing things. And those and those organizations have the Bears need leadership at the top, the very top, and that's why they need, in my opinion, they need to do it more the standard way. Hire your GM, let your GM run the entire show, and let him hire the coach. That, just, that doesn't work for everybody, and it doesn't have to be that way. But for the Bears, I think it does, because they don't have the football acumen or the management acumen at the top to kind of pick the right guys. And so that's why that's, why that's a little disconcerting that they're not doing it more of a standard way. We are 100% on the same page there, Mark. I think they've put together a good list of candidates for the head coaching job, but there's a couple guys that I would love to see on that list who are not and would like to at least see an astute GM come in and have the opportunity to add some names to that list rather than being told, okay, here you go. We've started these interviews. you got to pick one of these guys, um, and that'll be another test. You know, We'll see what happens because I do think they're smart enough or at least weary enough of, uh, of more Yeah. <laughs> Uh, not only failure, but but criticism and, and dissatisfaction in Bears Nation that they will do the GM job first. But everything's on the table right now. So we have no 
better answers for it. Uh, we've offered opinions, just a little football talk before I let you go. And I've got a texter here in our tech zone. Uh, who, who, he's been very nice about it and checked a couple times. He wants a question answered. And I, I don't have the, the exact answer. I don't know if you do either, but it is an interesting question. He wants to know what's up with Tariq Cohn. And, and his reasoning is, is football related, which, you know, can't get into. I don't even know who the coach is going to be. But it is one of the more curious injury situations we've seen in a long time with the Bears. I mean, we know that it was a complete tear and a complete reconstruction of the ACL. We know that that tends to be a 12 to 15 month injury, but in his case, 15 months later, he still wasn't ready to get back on the football field. And you have to wonder, does Tariq Cohn at this point have a future with the Chicago Bears? And it's fair to wonder that uh, uh, Tariq Cohn was kind of symptomatic of all the issues, or not all, some of the issues the Bears had. One of them was kind of just diagnosing or, or rehabbing injuries because they had a lot of situations where guys like, like uh, uh, Khalil Mack was playing on a, on, a, on, a, on a sprained foot and then all of a sudden is out for the year instead of, like, resting it. And so they let him do, you know, kind of do his own rehab, and it kind of blew up in their face. And Danny Trevathan supposedly was fine, and then next thing you know, he has a knee injury. They, just, they had a lot of injury situations. Tariq Cohn's was the most mysterious of all. And also, uh, the reason I also say it's kind of symptomatic is because they handled it poorly. It was, they don't allow us to talk to, the, to their trainers. So they let Matt Nagy give us all the information, and he had zero answers on that. So whenever anyone asked, you know, was there some kind of setback? You know, was there some kind of Mark Colombo situation here where it was something went wrong? You, it was not. It was just poorly. It was never answered and poorly communicated. So that was a problem. So to answer the question, yeah, about Tariq Cohen, yeah, I, absolutely. A year, you know, we saw uh, Saquon Barkley who had who had an ACL injury like a few weeks or two weeks before. Uh, maybe even the week before. The week before. Uh, it was the week Tariq before. Tariq did. Yeah. He came back. Now, he's not the same player he was, but he did gain 100 yards against the Bears. But the point is, his was slow. So it, so that you, not everybody is Adrian Peterson and comes back in six months. But this was much, much slower. And, and not only that, he wasn't even close. We watched him every day. Uh, not every day. But we watched him throughout, you know, each, each, at least once during the, each week during the season, and could see that he was not even close, was never close to coming back. Something went wrong. And, and I think the disappointing thing was, well, obviously disappointed for him that he, you know, he, he could not play, but also that we never got any clear answers on it. And, and so I, it's absolutely fair to wonder whether he'll be back either with the Bears or with somebody else. It wouldn't surprise me if, like Colombo, he came back, went back, went with somebody else, and all of a sudden became a productive player because that was, a, that was an earlier version of that kind of thing under a previous management. Well, you're talking about former first-round draft choice offensive tackle Mark Colombo, and that's a pretty good segue to my last question before I let you go, Mark. I, again, I, I'm getting this all the time. I have my opinions. I'm curious for yours. A lot of what the Bears are able to do this offseason obviously is dictated by their greatest needs. They do not have much draft capital. They've got a second, a third, two fifth, and a sixth round pick right now. They will have plenty of room under the salary cap, somewhere between 35 and $40 million, but that is with only 34 players under contract. So they're going to have to sign a number of guys. But still, they've got plenty of cap money to make a couple big moves if they want to, but they've got areas of need. I think everybody agrees wide receiver is their greatest need right now, regardless regardless of whether there's a sudden turnaround and Allen Robinson were to come back or not, then what about, and of course, cornerback on a lot of people's lists, but offensive tackle, there's been so much debate and conversation about whether Tevin Jenkins and Larry Borum belong on the left or the right side. 
think the bigger question is, are we comfortable that one or both are future quality NFL starting tackles, regardless of which side they play on? Because if not, the Bears have got a huge problem at that position, too. Yeah, that's a little bit of a pickle for whoever ends up uh, getting this job as a GM and the coach because they're two guys that they, uh, well, I mean, two guys, well, one guy that they really invested in in Jenkins, but Bourne was actually the more impressive player. He looks like, he looks like he could be a, a long-term answer uh, at, at right tackle. And Jenkins, you invested so much, and we don't know whether he's a failure or not. I mean, there's nothing to say either way. But you're kind of stuck in that these are kind of your two uh, the two guys that I, I think you got to at least see what they've got. I mean, potentially uh, they could both be very good. There's nothing that says that that they're not. And uh, so yeah, so I think it would be I, I think it would be ill-advised to start over unless somebody really knows their stuff and knows that hey, this is not going to work out. But that's the the offensive line is a real interesting part of the Bears because um, they have two guards I think who one has been to the Pro Bowl one I think is considered a potential Pro Bowler in James Daniels and so it's hard to go away from those guys so the only real hole that you're going to have to fill is at center and uh, and and other than that you have a you have an offensive line that can either be very mediocre or actually very good if you get the right offense or the right quarterback remember Hub we've seen the worst of everybody in this offense over the last two or three years because it was just a bad offense. And so I, I think it's sometimes, it's, it's sometimes I think, uh, wrong to kind of make judgments and define these guys by what you've seen in the last couple of years. You almost have to wait and see what the new guy thinks and, and, and kind of trust his judgment and, and see, because I think there's more potential there than people think, because I think it's been, it's just been, you, you've been given like uh, kind of a bad look at, at what, at what you've got, because everybody's been operating in a bad offense. Look at Allen Robinson. I mean, that there, you know, that defines it as far as I'm concerned, uh, uh, the point I'm making. And we do have to remember James Daniels, a free agent as well. Somebody else they have a big decision to make on. Mark, I'm going to let you go. Quick question for you before you go, though. You and I are the veteran guys on this beat. Yeah, folks, I'm a lot older than Potsy. I'm not trying to age him. Uh, But we've been around the longest. Do you have a favorite for either of these positions, the GM or the head coaching jobs? You know, Hub, I'm not going to pretend to know. Uh, My judgment wouldn't be any uh, any better than than theirs because I don't get to. I I don't go by resumes. I don't like going by resumes. I think it's. I think. I think to, to. to, to go by a guy who did a great job with at one place and to find out if he's as a coordinator and then see and, and, and determine if he's going to be a good head coach, you need to talk to him. And you, frankly, you need to talk to him more than on Zoom. You need to talk to him face-to-face. So I, I'm not – well, I guess I am avoiding the question, but only because, in my opinion, I can't really tell you uh, who, who is you know who's the best guy. Do some guys intrigue me? Yeah, I'm intrigued by Omar Khan of the, of, of the Steelers. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm intrigued by Elliot Wolf just because of the Packers connection. Connection and the Ron Wolf connection. Um, I, mean, I was intrigued by Ed Dodd, so I think it's a guy who would really shake things up and do things his way. And 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 so there are GM uh, there are GM candidates that I guess I am intrigued by. Um, one of the coaches that I like that I can't say he's going to work out or not is Todd Bowles. He failed in New York with the Jets, but I don't think that defines you. And I think Todd Bowles. I think he's I think he's a guy who he's older. He's like 58. I think he I think he's uh, I, I would assume maybe he's learned from the experience, but. What I like most about him is that he's with Bruce Arians, a guy who also knows people. I think being in his realm, in Bruce Arians' realm, I think makes you a better coach and makes you a better judge of people. And so, and I, and I also think I also like the job he did in the Super Bowl when he saw a weakness and he was totally prepared to take advantage of it, and that won them the Super Bowl. So as a coach, I like him. That doesn't mean he's the, he's better than Byron Leftwich or. 
you know, Doug Peterson or Brian Flores. I don't know, but I'm saying that's what I am intrigued by. But to say who would be the best, I'm not going to pretend to know um, because I really feel like these are decisions that you really have to you really have to have an intuition about people and see them and talk to them and meet them, and then I think you can tell who could be you should who could be the best candidate. Patsy, one of the reasons I love you, man, you're much smarter than me by saying intrigued by as opposed to first choice. But I just went to print a couple hours ago with my top picks. I guess the guys who intrigue me the most as Omar Khan and Todd Bowles. So we're on the same page there. Thank you much for your time tonight, Mark. I really appreciate it. That is Mark Potash, folks, of the Chicago Sun-Times. Actually, I forgot. I didn't get a chance to even ask him about new ownership, but I'm not sure how much they know about it yet. Follow Potsy all the time, every day in the newspaper. Go to chicagosuntimes.com sports section. We're going to take a very quick commercial break here and then get back to your phone calls. 312-644-6767 is the phone number. So please give me a call. We're back in just a moment. This is Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com. Chicago Sports Station. Bill Polian is in the Pro Football Hall of Fame because of his success as a pro football executive, including his hiring of two head coaches, Marv Levy and Tony Dungy, who are themselves in the Hall of Fame. He is well regarded in league circles and has a lot of contacts. We consider ourselves very fortunate to have Bill assisting us in our search. George McCaskey at his press conference, uh, basically confirming the firing of Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy and talking about uh, the situation with the team going forward. Uh, There was George discussing why the Bears were comfortable in bringing Bill Polian in to uh, help them find the new regime that will lead the Chicago Bears. 312-644-6767 is our phone number. Uh, I neglected to mention that Patsy Mark Potash joined us on the Score Hotline presented by Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book. And right now, I'm going to head back to that other line, our listener line, the Score listener line powered by BetQL, Bet Smarter and Beat the Books. Download the BetQL app today or visit BetQL.com. And on the BetQL listener line, right now is Mike out in Oregon, Illinois. Mike, I appreciate you dialing us up tonight. How you doing? Hey, I'm good. How are you? Uh, thanks good, for taking thanks. my call. And real quick, I just want to say I don't know why the Bears aren't looking at a GM like Spielman from Minnesota. Mm-hmm. They got fired. Right. You know, you see these head coaches getting second chances, you know, like Belichick did and everybody else. Why doesn't a GM especially in your own division, get a second well, chance. Yeah, Mike, some do. Yeah, some do. It, it, it's it's more rare than head coaches, but it's not unprecedented that, that GMs get second jobs. And uh, I think if ever there was a guy who was worth considering, it is Rick Spielman. I mean, Rick uh, basically got his start with the Chicago Bears uh, in the front office during the uh, Mark Hatley, Dave Wanstead years and, and was here for a number of years uh, uh, growing into a young executive before he went down to Miami uh, with Dave Wanstead, as a matter of fact. They did a pretty good job there. They're, 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 matter of fact, one of my favorite statistics about those Dolphin teams that, that folks uh, uh, I'm sure are unaware of, uh, but when Dave took over the Miami Dolphins, 
He became the only coach in NFL history to have double-digit wins his first four years as a head coach with a franchise. And um, uh, that was with Rick Spielman, you know, integral in his front office. He went up to Minnesota, gosh, a number of years ago. I think he had, I want to say, 12 years, maybe more, as the GM in Minnesota. And built some very, yeah. yeah, that sounds right. Yeah, he built some very good football teams there. Um, he is somebody that anybody can get along with. I know Rick fairly well, I mean, and he's he's really kind of a special guy and um, uh, easy to work with, easy to work for, very demanding. You know, not not a guy who lets the inmates run the asylum, um, but but just a really personable guy. Uh, very classy, um, very knowledgeable, an excellent uh, evaluator of talent, but he couldn't get the Vikings. Checks all the marks, doesn't he? Well, except for one. In in 13 years, he couldn't get to a Super Bowl. He he couldn't win an NFL title, and, and that's that's the that's the job. I mean, you know, at the end of the day, we all go to work every day trying to reach the height of our profession, and when you don't get there, and when it begins to appear that you're not going to get there and you may be going in the wrong direction, that's when this happens. And, and I was under the impression that the Wilf family was very much married uh, to Rick in terms of him staying in that position and was really surprised, uh, you know, when, when they let mm-hmm. let him go. Um, so at any rate, to your point, with his history with the Bears, with his history in the league, with his institutional knowledge, with his talent and his ability, um, I, he does check all the boxes for me as a guy who, who needs – and ironically, you know, why didn't they get there in Minnesota? couldn't get the quarterback, you know, and, and it was the same thing. Exactly. Again. They, they, exactly. I mean, they did everything, they including all that money and the Mark cousins. Uh, well, I mean, cousins, you know, yeah, the, the money is, is, is beside the, the, the point. He just turned out to be not the guy who could get him over the hump. Uh, but I mean, they even went the Brett Favre route and let's not forget that they were uh, 43 seconds away from going to a Super Bowl in New Orleans in that championship game in 2010. And then, unfortunately, and they also, you know, they also drafted a lot of good guys like Dalvin Cook and Jefferson and Diggs, and that's all Spielman. Well, Mike, uh, again, thank you very much for the phone call. Yes, uh, you know, Rick did a very, very good job with the Vikings. He didn't do a great job. I mean, the GMs who do get second chances are usually the guys who have been to Super Bowls and even maybe have a ring or two. Bill Polian is a classic example of a guy who got three jobs and, and went to four Super Bowls with Buffalo without winning one uh, and then finally got the ring when he got to Indianapolis. So it'll happen for some guys, and hopefully Rick is one of those guys. I can't think of anybody more deserving. I don't know what Rick is thinking right now. He may not be that anxious just to jump back into the next available job. I have not heard requests from any of the four teams hiring to interview him, uh, but it is something we'll keep an eye on. Good call, Mike. Thank you very much. We have to take another quick commercial break here because we want to get back in time for our next guest who knows more about this process than any of us. Greg Gabriel, a veteran of various NFL front offices over 30-plus years. Check in at the top of the hour. We're going to talk some more GM and head coach openings with Greg right here at 670 The Score. Why? Why? If you have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. 
Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. We all agree that reducing carbon emissions is a good thing. And once again, Toyota is leading the way. We hear a lot about fully electric vehicles, and Toyota has them, with more coming in. But we also know a BEV is not for everyone, whether it's because of cost, range, or concern about finding a charging station when you need it. Plus, the raw materials used to manufacture batteries are limited. Enter Beyond Zero, Toyota's vision for a carbon-neutral future in vehicles, and in manufacturing plants, too, in the years ahead. The materials used to make just one long-range battery for an EV could be used to make batteries for six plug-in hybrids or 90 gas-electric hybrids. That's why Toyota's position today is electrified, diversified, empowering you to choose how to reduce your own carbon footprint with the vehicle that's right for you, a hybrid, plug-in hybrid, or battery EV. So shop, learn more, and get details at toyota.com slash beyond zero. Toyota, let's go places.